Hey everybody and welcome to Positively Midwest. My name is Steve Jurens, along with my wife Catherine Jurens. Hello. And we are on episode 39 of Positively Midwest. Isn't that crazy? Are you sure? Yeah, I looked first before I wrote oh, it down. I better pull up our comments. Facebook yep. people, say hello. I said it first. So, anyways, tonight's going to be um, an interesting episode. Because we just recently watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and uh, I don't know, it was important. It was crazy enough for us to want to have a discussion about it. It's going to be top of mind for a lot of people. It's top of mind right now. Can you turn down the background? Just a smidgen. Whoa. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Sorry. So, so um, anyway, so we... Uh, we had quite the thought processes last night whilst we were mm-hmm. watching and we've had some recent revelations in our own lives as well. And so it definitely was eye opening, learning a little bit more about it, watching the social dilemma. So I did some more additional research. I jotted down my own notes and things like that on, on the subject and feel free to comment stuff on there and, and Catherine will call them out because my phone's got 20 some percent battery. So we'll let hers be the, the king over there. So how many of you watching since, okay, for those of you listening to the podcast, we are doing this again, Facebook Live, as well as recording the podcast so that we can have audience participation. We want some interaction from all of you. We want your feedback, your questions, your input. How many of you have watched the movie Social Dilemma? Have you? So, and like I was saying, I printed, I went to the website after we watched this to find out more information and uh, they have a discussion and action guide right on the website that you can download and check out. So I thought we could kind of go through that because as I went through it last night, it came up with some good talking points, some good facts. So first and foremost, we watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. We are not um, sponsored by them. We are not saying everything they say is correct. And this is the most unbiased uh, discussion about the documentary as possible, aside from our own personal um, opinions and our own personal experiences. So let's pretend like we have a lawyer and those were our legalities and we got them out of the way. So, <laughs> Because we also are not against social media, obviously. And so we do also see the benefits and the perks to having social media. So it is not that we are. And that's some of the stuff that we're going to discuss here. I wrote some notes. I was trying to figure out an episode title. And so far I went with the social dilemma, a non-promotional discussion review to the open, to open the positive. <laughs> to open the positive. Yeah. So anyways, now one, one little thing that I found here that I think is kind of cool is uh, one of the quotes is hosting a conversation with just a few people can ignite a global movement to align technology with the interests of people, people, not profits. And that, that's just one thing that I've talked about, you know, over the past that, you know, if there's something that we've gone away from with tradition, it seems at times is, is those bit of personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you get to be an extremely large corporation, you might not necessarily always be looking out for the, for the little guy, as they say, but I mean, right. I mean, that's just the way it is, I guess. I don't know what else to say about that. You know, shout out to our 
intro and outro songs of John Wayne and the Pain. They have a song about that too. Yes. <laughs> we'll give them a little shout out. So I don't think I need to read this introduction on why we need to lead Hi, a conversation. Hi, Andy. Well, and we've already had... Andy who? Andy Hill. And we've, uh, we've already had one conversation regarding, you know, technology and how it can, you know, um, help but also hinder our personal relationships. So social media comes along the same guidelines as well as that technology, just a little bit deeper in a sense. Correct? Yes. So... I have loaded a soundbite here that I want you all to listen to for just a minute. How many people are watching? Four? Yeah. Mm. And I can't see all the names. That's why I only say hi to one. So for the rest of you, it's not mm. that I'm ignoring you, but if I'm not friends with you on the book, then sure. I can't see you. So this might set a relative precedent to to uh, some of the things we want to touch on, and then we'll talk on the po- negatives mm. and the positives, and we'll branch off and we'll tell stories and all these things. So okay. check this out. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. Exactly what image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. Oh yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. They know when people are lonely, they know when people are depressed, they know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners, they know what you're doing late at night, they know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like. They have more information about us than has ever been imagined in human history. It is unprecedented. Okay, so like I was saying, um, uh, speculating that that what they're talking about is accurate. Um, you know what what I would what I started to think about that is. You know, imagine with what they do know about us, imagine if that information, those algorithms, that data collection was used to help people. So if you can tell when someone is an introvert or an extrovert, how about you use this information you've gathered to send them posts, to put posts in front of them in their news feed that are positive, that are uh, the opposite of what they could be feeling um, because you think that you're aware of that with their data. Or if they're depressed, whatever that that reason is of being depressed, you would put the positive attribute of that in front of them or post in their newsfeed. So now that was one of the things that that kind of ignited the passion in me was, you know, right sometime around the Christmas time frame or whatever is going through social media. And it's when people started, I mean, it's been going on for a while after the most recent um, presidential election, but people just seem to get increasingly more angry and uh, keyboard warriors and and so on out on social media. So I said, what if we just had a Facebook page that as people like, comment, and shared, it would fill their news feed with more of that positive content. So I'm always trying, we're trying to post positive things multiple times a day. So that's touched on some of the, the mission or the movement, if you will, that I think that we try to have. But um, that was one thing I wanted to urge is that, you know, if someday this thing millions of people are listening to us in the future. I hope by now, or you will, figure out how to use this power to the good, you know? Or, hey, if there's a billionaire that's listening to us right now and we haven't already um, made money somehow to help people donate us a bunch of millions and we'll make a Facebook that is um, the positive algorithm that just, you know, people can do similar things on it, but it's only... Used for positives. What do you mean we'll make the Facebook? 
we'll make our own social media platform oh. that would be like <laughs> you know like oh i can tell that this person's been on the internet you know uh feeling upset mm-hmm. how do we bombard them with a bunch of positive posts and energy because they yeah. facebook you know well I don't know which social media, but let's just say social media tracks where you go on the internet. That's kind of been proven. That's how you get ad placement mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, so it'd be like that. We can right. tell like, oh, you've been looking at sad music videos. Maybe you're upset. Let's post uh, something happy that can help boost your spirits. Because one thing I found interesting, maybe you already had this written down to say it, but so one of the guys that was one of the creators of the like button. He said that the reason they came out with that feature on Facebook was because they wanted to use it as a positive movement. They wanted it to be that it would help boost somebody's spirits that somebody liked and saw and like reacted to it. So they really thought that that's what that was. And so for us, it was interesting because it's like, well, that's why we wanted to have Positively Midwest was to help like promote that positive um, interactions with each other. And so, you know, the flip side of the like button is that so many people then, and it's worse on our young, formidable minds of our youth, is that then they're craving that instant gratification, that instant reaction. They don't think if somebody likes it, it means that they're not cute enough or they don't, that there's something wrong with them. You know, that's where the downfall of that came. But it really was, is like they did these things with intent of, positive and so by Stephen posting daily multiple times daily it is to help to promote those things instead of just your ads or your things out there it's trying to help okay well if your friends are seeing this that means you want to see and we're going to get this more in front of you to help push that well yeah and you know the more that you like that kind of content and the more you comment on it and share it not that you know, we want to be responsible and have the biggest page on the planet and be bajillionaires. But, you know, if this ever became a monetary source of income for us or whatever, you know, I guarantee you that I would we would find ways to pump that money into finding ways to help people. You know, whether it be, you know, traveling to help fundraise with people or teach us about things to be grateful for or... Help fund therapy sessions for those that can't afford them. Yeah, whether it's through addiction or it's, you know, just getting back up on your feet. Counseling, yeah. that was one of the missions that we've talked about is mm-hmm. trying to help someone pay for three months worth of counseling or something like that. So Because we've been there when like we thought it'd be beneficial for us and that we weren't monetarily be able to do it. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Brandon. Yeah, so, um, so anyways, we're going to talk about the positive points of social media as well. Mm-hmm. So the part one of this is general discussion guide. Okay, I'll let you lead understanding the dilemma. So there's uh, the companies that connected the world and transformed how we consume information did so at a cost. The unintended consequences of exploitative technologies are catching up with us in the form of, so they have the mental health dilemma and they go through all these different dilemmas. Mm -hmm. So the mental health dilemma, addiction, anxiety, and depression. Platforms are designed to reward distraction and keep us hooked at the expense of our well-being to fuel their business. The de- democracy dilemma, political polarization and uh, divisionness. What's this? Division? Yeah. Anyways. So basically content that promotes outrage, deception, and conspiracy is promoted as a way to drive more engagement and ultimately pushes people away. 
Um, this the, is not politically affiliated with any form. <laughs> the discrimination the dilemma, algorithmic bias and the application of hate. Algorithms are not equipped to detect hate speech and the data harnessed by our online activity is used by institutions in ways that can harm and discriminate against marginalized communities. Anyways. Ooh, what's this? So, um, when they say, one question they pose is how, um, how do you define the problem? So I think you have to define it in a lot of different ways. It depends on the context and what you're going through in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be that your kid, um, is using social media in an unacceptable way. Um, it could be that you're using it in an unacceptable way. Um, if you're, you know, if you're constantly watching things that are contrary to your relationship, like if you are going and always looking at, you know, ex, uh, flings or girlfriends or wives or whatever, um, that's not going to be healthy for the relationship that you're currently in. Or if you're trying to enter a new relationship, then you'll get, you know, hung up on that. Um, but, uh, you know, it can, the overall point of this too is that it can be very addictive and, and distract, distracting to people. So they put together these fast facts. This one's the mental health dilemma, which is the one that kind of uh, strikes out to me the most. So like addiction, anxiety, and depression. A third of American adults and nearly half of those ages, 18 to 29, say they are online almost constantly. That was Pew Research Center 2019. Teenagers who spend three hours a day or or more on devices are 35% more likely, and those who spend five hours or more are 71% more likely to have a risk factor for suicide than those who spend less than one hour. That was iGen 2017. A 5,000-person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported declines in mental and physical health and life satisfaction. That was American Journal of Epidemiology. Nailed it. February nice. 2019. So some discussion questions, and I've liked some of these too. Do you find yourself unconsciously checking your phone or certain apps? So plenty of times I unlock my phone, I look at it, and I don't even remember what I looked at. I also wanted to check the time, and I'm not even sure what time it is. Ditto. I have had those same dilemmas like, oh, I was actually going to Google something because I needed to know an answer and I can't even remember why I was on here, what I was supposed to look up. So did this or the impulse to happen at all while watching the film? I think for the most part, I wanted to just completely be present. I think that we're aware, you know, even if it's like a drug addict or an alcoholic, they're aware generally that they have a problem. And so, you know, you can control it, you know, like, okay, I'm just not going to, you know, do, do heroin and go to work. I'm just <laughs> not going to get drunk and go to this baptism or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to look at my phone right now if you're in church. I'm not going to look, look at my phone while I'm with a customer. You know, so we do have that, that ability, I suppose, depending how bad the addiction is. I've certainly been to places where some younger folks have looked at their telephone when traditionally I'd be like, hmm, I don't want to be looking at your phone right now. You're like helping me or something. Right. I already looked. What? 
Who? What? Looking at me? <laughs> what emotions seem to trigger this behavior? So, to look at your phone or what? Yeah, so like constant want to check your notifications. Constantly want to just like, you know, I think I do it sometimes when I'm afraid of falling asleep watching TV. And so then it's like, I feel like, okay, if I just keep my thumb busy and I keep my mind a little bit busier too, then maybe I'll be able to stay awake longer and not like crash out. You know, it's like, or is it that we are so um, easily distracted, easily bored or something, you know, that it's like, okay, I don't know if this is a great example, but they say like, you know, when a smoker quits smoking, how they, some will jingle their keys, some will jingle change, some will have to like constantly snack because they need to keep the fingers busy. So if we reach that age that now that's like where we are at with our cell phones, that it's almost like a nicotine addiction is like your phone, that scroll. Like, are we even looking at what we're looking at? I know that I'm guilty of too much screen time at times, like not when I'm at work, but you know, when I get home, I know that I can be guilty of that. You checking yourself out there, babe? What kinds of emotional responses do you have to the content in your feed? Wow. Feel free to answer these in the comments down there, folks, and we'll read some of them or, or discuss them. Right. You know, I think the one thing that they talk about the most is that, oh gosh, there was a term for it. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. Three seconds. It's pulling it up. Okay. So it is creating Facebook envy. That's what's what they call it. Or social media envy is like, you know, we tend to go, oh, look at their house is so cute and pretty and clean in that one screen section that you can see. Or, you know, they talk about people's trips. And so it tends to make us envious or we tend to then compare ourselves to others. That's where the comparison of women has gotten so bad sometimes, I think, is because of that. So you have to flip that when you're looking at these things and find, you know, happiness for others while they're going through happy moments instead of turning it into jealousy for yourself or pity. So what kinds of emotional responses do you have to the content in your feed? It's a mixture of all of that. Okay. So now you kind of extend it on to the, um, the next question. But if I answer that question... Um, you know, the emotional response to the content of my feed, um, I can, I, in probably in 15 minutes, I for sure could have anger, frustration, sadness, happiness, and probably all over again, mm-hmm. all within just, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, what content tends to have a negative impact on your well-being? Oh, anything on the political lately. It make me sad seeing how people interact and talk to one another. Yeah, I think we should specify because, you know, the the older I get or the more educated I might get in some of this, that um, politics can are very important. You know, they those discussions are important. And uh, that can maybe be one of the things that is brought up in this art in this discussion, you know, about social media as it's made it so easy for us to communicate with lots of people and lots of different people, mm-hmm. you know, but one thing I put down is, um, is better customer service question mark, or does it allow you to treat someone a way you would normally, you normally wouldn't treat someone in, in person, you know, um, 
I mean, there are a lot of people that would just walk up to you and say, hey, F you, man, um, I don't like your shirt, you know, but I think majority of the people wouldn't. And so there's those keyboard warriors that are out there. But um, anyways, that uh, that kind of negativity, you know, I start to read into it and read through all the comments and I find myself going, I just can't communicate or understand that even some of my circle of, well, obviously they're my circle of people or I wouldn't see it on Facebook, but I have 1,100 friends or something on Facebook. I'm not even sure how I got to that number, but I see the same 40, 50 people, you know, all the time when I scroll through. So where's the other um, 11 or 1,050 people at? Right. You know, because they're active on there at some degree. So you start, if you just go to your friends list and just swipe up a few times and randomly pick somebody and look on there and see how often they've posted, why don't you see that anymore? You know, it's because you haven't liked it and engaged it. So then Facebook isn't recording that data and thinking, oh, we better, we better, he wants to see Bill over here because he hasn't, you know, whatever. But that's what Facebook, one of the things was for me was, you know, being able to stay because we're going to go over some of the positive things of it here. So I Mm -hmm. won't jump all over the place. But um, so, yeah, one of the negatives is, is jealousy and anger. Um, I won't lie. There's times I see. You know, someone with a sweet ass ride or some big, huge honking house or whatever and a bunch of boats and cool things. And, you know, we're just not there in our life. Doesn't mean that that won't happen for us, but sometimes you get a bit jealous. You know, you're like, oh man, wish we could just jump in the Pawnee and just cruise around the lake or, you know, hook up my big old deece and throw, throw a campy on it with my holler and God. throw my pony on there and just... I don't even know about all of your just lingo. Head just head on out. You have a child making faces at you guys. The kids really wanted to be a part of this, quite honestly. You know, especially when we were talking about social media. Uh, Erilyn recently joined Smack Club at school today. So she's a part of doing the social media and... Uh, Gosh, what did she say? Cool connections or something it stands for. And so now that she's learning more about the social media aspects as far as promoting the middle school, she thought she wanted to be a part of that. You know, and so we'll talk about where that can be a positive because hopefully at the school, then they're going to teach them that smart, safe use of social media versus some of the negative that we've had recently otherwise. Yeah, so um, one of the last questions was, how often do you see it? And I guess it's probably every time that we get on social media, you know, we run into those emotions. Um, You know, so I have been trying to actively uh, seek out uh, more positive and, um, you know, educational things that are more uh, my mindset that I want to achieve on social media. So that's what I see. So it says, film subject Tristan Harris posists. Poses? Pauses? <laughs> that before artificial intelligence overpowers human strength, it will overpower human weakness. Mm-hmm. What does he mean by that? In what ways do you think technology has overpowered your own vulnerabilities? How is it shaping your behaviors day to day? I think what he meant by that is that oh, because it's creating such a mental divide in people and that it is doing that mental harm you know where they were showing that um what is she a teenage girl tween teenage girl and you know she became very aware of a body feature i don't want to spoil it for all of you i want you guys to go watch it 
And so because of one of her posts, she became very aware of a body feature, but it got spun on her in a negative fashion. And so they said that the rate of suicide amongst that age of teens has absolutely skyrocketed. It has gone up a 150% since 2011 when, or 2012, when like our teenagers in a sense were starting to get social media because they are our first generation of being able to have smartphones in their hands and being able to have access to all of the social media. And so that I found absolutely insane. And so that's where he's talking about the artificial intelligence is like where their algorithms are kind of taking over and creating a mind of their own, putting things into your feed, like forcing you or, you know, clickbaiting you in a sense, um, to watch all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it probably happens every time that you open the social media, because when you, you know, every time you go on there, you're probably going to like stuff that you've liked similarly previously because that's what it does. It just sends you stuff. And when you watch a video on, on YouTube or you watch a video somewhere else, evidently it could possibly be tracking that information, storing it. And then that's what kind of stuff it's putting in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, just like when you search uh, bean bags and then... Um, 50,000 bean bags are in your newsfeed for sale. <laughs> yeah. So this one was uh, called the Democracy Dilemma. So uh, some fast facts on this one they put together. Um, We'll mention the reference. So this has nothing to do with the uh, PM fam. Fake news spreads six times faster than accurate news on Twitter. And falsehoods are 70% more likely to be retweeted. MIT 2018. So that's a couple year old um, statistic by now. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously I think there's um, a big difference. Or there can be a huge difference. debate on the definition of what fake news is and now that t- is just a term like you know um what randy you say tamer and coon so um <laughs> you know that's it's just like a, a term now a catchphrase yeah a phrase so who knows you know what the accuracy of even that is at times but the number of countries with political disinformation campaigns on social media doubled in the past two years New York Times, 2019. So I believe um, in the uh, documentary, mm-hmm. it uh, mentioned like propaganda, you know, and this isn't like social media. That's why this isn't a whole bash on social media because mm-hmm. in other forms of media, whether it was um, newspaper, radio, um, television, television, you know, there's, um, there was campaigns put out advertising campaigns mm-hmm. and honestly until that information is fat check fact checked no matter what it is you know it could be false information so disinformation in the campaign this way you know i mean well at one point i think it's safe to say cigarettes are bad for you but at one point <laughs> they were advertised like they were good for you you know and cocaine was put into medicine a hundred some years ago And some of that was all in the advertising. And so now what they talk about with the democracy and all that kind of stuff is that some of the stuff that you see, especially those things that are sponsored, is being sold to like the top bidder in a sense. So what you're getting put in front of you is by whichever company, whichever political party can pump the most dollars into it is the way I 
kind of understood it last night while watching him explain that part. Yeah. Google search results can shift the voting preferences of undecided voters by 20% or more, up to 80% among the demograph, some demographics. Uh, PNAS 2015. So, I mean... There again, you know, we want to stay unbiased. I think any advertising sways your mindset. Mm -hmm. That's what advertising is meant to do. And uh, I think you can do that wisely. And I think that you should carry high quality products if you tell people you have high quality products. You know, don't don't sell junk and then tell them it's high quality. I mean, be honest. And obviously we are completely for advertising. Yeah, but I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know... Um, Google has such a huge footprint now. You know, everybody mm -hmm. just says, um, hey, what's four plus four? Oh, I don't know. Just Google it. You know, oh, hey, why? What is that in my fish tank? Just Google it. You know, you don't say just ask Jeeves it. You don't say just Yahoo it. Oh, I forgot. You don't say stuff that. like that. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, when you're um, not sure of a subject, and in this case, voting, you're going to search for your answer so obviously that they can shift your voting preference because hopefully you found information that was accurate for you. That's why you're supposed to go straight to the source of the actual candidates or you're supposed to not just take what random articles that you find. You're supposed to fact check it against like other reputable things and like that's where you can break your sense of. <laughs> news. I don't know. I'm sorry. I was running in here tonight, and I think I'm still disheveled from getting kids from dance and stuff. I apologize. In the internal memo <laughs> to Facebook senior executives in 2019, which was largely ignored, read, Our algorithms exploit the human brain's attraction to... Need some help? Yeah. What is that word? Divisiveness? Divisive content. Is that the one right here? Yeah, divisiveness. Divisiveness, if left unchecked, they'll feed users more and more decipheres. See? That word comes at you like a freight train, doesn't it? D-I-V-I-S-I-V-E. Stop it, divisiveness. <laughs> Content. Yeah. So anyways, uh, more divisive content in an effort to gain user attention and increase time on the platform. WSJ, which I'm guessing is the Wall Street Journal 2020. So that's fairly new. So um, basically what they're saying there is that, um, I don't know, they're like, to me, it's like they're using their psychology, your psych human psychology to gain user attention and increase time on their platform. So now well, that's why we are talking about social media, because it's not just Facebook. You know, there's Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. Pinterest. They Pinterest. had a guy from Pinterest on it. Um, Twitter. MySpace. Um, I, well, it's still around. I looked the other day. But um, I I've fairly equally use Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Mm -hmm. Those three. But then we have our business page thing, liked page. And we have our group page. And so I hardly ever use my personal page much anymore, but... You know, I'll scroll through there and just like stuff here and there. And sometimes, you know, that you're just looking at something, you go, it's a picture of their kid. And you're like, oh, kid stuff. And you just like it. And you know what the hell's going on. 
But the more positive and happy things like that that you like and that you scroll past the negative that will help to overwrite your algorithm so that you can get more positive, happy things in your newsfeed. Researchers have found that leading AI models for processing hate speech were 1.5 times more likely to flag tweets as offensive or hateful when they were written by African Americans. University of Washington, 2019. Huh. 64% of people who joined extremist groups on Facebook did so because their algorithms steered them there. Mm-hmm. Internal Facebook report, 2018. So that's an internal Facebook report in 2018. So who knows what 64% means. But I think that's relatively interesting because if you were into Legos, you could type in Legos and find a group. If you were into positive, there are tons of positive groups are out there. Which leads me to another great point is that all in all, what I want to get out at the end of this and throughout it is that just like everything else in your life, social media is what you make it. Mm Mm-hmm. So now, if you go and you follow a ton of negative posts and, uh, you know, just just bad things, you know, and uh, that's what your social media is going to end up being. That's what your feed is going to be. That's what your content is. And that's and what you, it tells your mind. And you are what you consume. Mm-hmm. So if you are consuming negative information all the time, if you're constantly having bad thoughts all the time, if you never escape that and have another point of view, that is what you are. That is what you consume. And you just simply can't do that. So if that's accurate, that's something that kind of bothers me. But also, again, you're in control of it. You know, you can't be 900 pounds and go, oh, I I can't do this. I, I can't believe I did this. And I take some responsibility for it. You know, you... You didn't exercise, you didn't eat healthy, and that happened. Or if you're extremely depressed, and it's been years since you've gotten a divorce, or even if a parent passed away, you know, you at some point, you have to change your actions. You have to change your mindset and be more positive and make the decision to do that. Mm -hmm. You still love yourself. So, until 2019, Facebook allowed advertisers to use discriminatory targeting in ads. These advertising jobs, housing, and credit card offers could choose to exclude people on the basis of gender, race, disability, and other characteristics in direct contravention of federal laws such as the Fair Housing Act, which bans discrimination. Washington Post, 2019. Because when did they ban that? When did it It just said until 2019. Until 2019. I was going to say, because when I went to an actual Facebook thing where they taught us how to use it as your advertising tool and how to best select options for your sponsorships. It was so detailed that you could do. It was crazy mind-blowing of how you can choose all this like types of interests and everything specifically to try to just put it into a select fuse newsfeed. Well, and being in sales for as long as I have, which is about 18 years now, I can tell you that there's always been lead programs out there. And based on the housing information that they collect in your city or your town, Mm -hmm. that information gets somehow out to these organizations and they compile it and put it together and they sell you a lead program. So then basically you get this list of leads and then let's say I'm trying to sell a uh, $30,000 hot tub or a $4,000 hot tub. Now, if I'm trying to sell a $40,000 hot tub, I'm not going to call a household where the median income is $10,000 a year. 
more than likely they can't afford a $40,000 hot tub or they shouldn't probably be buying one. <laughs> okay. So now, but maybe I'll call them about a $1,000 hot tub or a $3,000 hot tub and they can make payments for five years or whatever. Right. You know, I'm not here to judge, but so I am just, I want to try to stay on bias that they're advertising on Facebook. It is extremely detailed and it does track you and it does, you know, listen to you and it, you know, put stuff in your face on purpose. And that's something that most advertising mediums cannot do. Mm-hmm. But there there has been ways of doing this for years. So, you know, if uh, it was the newspaper and it was time to advertise and it was about, um, you know, um, jet ski, more than likely you're probably going to think about buying a jet ski in the spring, you know, or something like that. So that's probably when they would put the promos out for it. You know, I'm just saying like that's, they do, they are strategic in a lot of different platforms. Right. 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 So technology has become such an integral part of our lives that we can, it can be easy to think that these systems simply cannot change. This is a false illusion. These platforms were created by people. So it is fully within our power to change them, but we can't rely on those who created the problem to fix it. We need to hear from and deeply involve others, including those the problem impacts the most. So that is something that was very ignited some passion in me because, uh, you know, you um, we've been talking about how you can change your um, how you use your social media. So if you are um, constantly consuming bad or negative things mm-hmm. that's what your mindset's going to be but if you go out and you try to find uh one lady in one of the interviews in the documentary said i purposely go out and follow people on twitter that have opposing views right. and not to engage and to yell and scream at them but to um you know learn other other opinions well and it also keeps more diverse opinions coming into her thread And so instead of only seeing her way, so, you know, like we talk about that as the sounding board, the echo board, you know, if you surround yourself with only people that are like you or that just strictly support you is that they're only going to ever echo at you. They're never going to like maybe give you a different point of view. And so that's what she said. She's like, I purposely go out and I join the groups or I follow pages just so I can have that diverse coming in. Olivia says, it's crazy how you can be talking about something and then see it on Facebook the next minute. Well, it's that or if you do a Google search or if you do an Amazon search for something, a product, it's saving like your cookies, you know, and it's like creating all of it. So all of that artificial intelligence is coming together and working together to give that into your news feed. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's part of... Uh, I don't know. It, there's got to be some embracement in that technology because, you know, I, I, I think sometimes it is kind of cool that you are, um, that you're looking for men's dress shoes and then a bunch of them pop up on there. You know, I mean, there's something that is kind of neat about that, but uh, I don't know. It is because, I mean, there's things that you'll have forgotten about and it'd be like, oh, yeah. I really did used to like wearing that brand of shoe. It was always comfy when I worked at Herberger's 5,000 years ago. I don't know. It's just kind of neat how it like helps you to reminisce in a sense on some things. So that part I like. So families, 
Okay. 50% of teens report feeling addicted to their phones, as do 27% (laughs) of parents. Common Sense Media, 2016. The average American child receives his, her first smartphone at age 10. CQ Researcher, 2016. 88% of teens who use social media have witnessed others being cruel online. Children who are cyberbullied are three times more likely to engage in suicidal ideation than non-bullied children. Pew Research Center, 2018. JAMA Pediatric, May 2014. Oh, yeah. So in in desperation, the family in the film uses a kitchen safe. Uh, you'd put like cookies in it and set a timer to lock up their screens. But it, this is a solution that is short-lived. Yep. What is your family's relationship with your devices and social media at home? Were there any moments between the film's fictional family that felt particularly resonant? So I will share a story real quick that recently had happened um, in our family but our youngest is 11 and recently sent uh, um, a video to a friend of hers and basically it was just inappropriate. So after we checked out the video and we learned about it, um, we found out that not only was she um, naive, but uh, she had the complete incorrect message um, in a sense about what that video was about. It was a female, sort of like a comedian or a speak, speaker or something um, that that was talking about standing up for women. and uh, um, But it was very inappropriate with its language and, and uh, the content was too mature. And so we broke that down with her though and wanted her to understand why, why that person was talking about it. And then we ended up having to have some discussions that um, you just have to have with your children at some point. Uh, but the point of it there was then, um, we, you know, we had a punishment. So we're going to take your devices away. When you get your devices, everything's going to be tracked better. And we're going to have consistent, um, checkups, if you will, on it, you know, and I guess it's no different than an employee or, uh, whatever, you know, you just check up on their, their work and things like that every so often. And, and that's us being present with our children and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, when you have two kids, you know, the second, you know, they're both, they're just different kids. So with Erlen, it doesn't seem like that's something we necessarily have to worry about. And uh, so you take some things for granted, but they're both so different. So then we continued to um, do more research and, and then have discussions with her. So after a few days, said you could at least have this device back and have some communication with your friends if you'd like. And then um, she said, I don't want to, um, I don't even want my phone back. I've been having fun playing and going outside and those things. So She said that she was being too destructive with it. She understood that she had gotten destructive with it. And it wasn't that, you know, here's the thing. With our oldest one, we have the parental things on her device because it's a real phone. She can use it fully, Right. With the youngest one, it's my old phone. Never did I think to go in and try to figure out how to set all the parental things there. And it's not even that I didn't go through some of her stuff because I had been, but I wasn't checking the right way. And I wasn't checking the right stuff. It's like I was checking some of the messages going out to some people. Never did I think I needed to check all of that 
video stuff necessarily, you know? And so, yeah, it's on me too. It's on us as parents that we didn't get all of our safe places in. And so we didn't step up and make sure that it couldn't happen. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We learn as we go, right, with parenting. But now that she has not had it for a week and she says that she doesn't want it back because she understands how bad she had gotten by that's all she wanted to do was use YouTube, use, you know, watching TikTok videos or watching that kind of stuff. And it's not even that she could post her own TikTok videos, but what they can start to spiral and go down the rabbit hole in. Well, if there's one thing that's said about advertising is that the more and more that you hear about a product, the more that it sticks into your head, you know, the more you hear a song, the more that it, you memorize it, you know, the more these things subtly as, as baby, as small as it can be. And th- we talk about this with being positive, how you have to keep putting that positivity in front of you and you'll grow. So anyways, if you are putting these things in front of these children you know, as subtle as they might be, it's going to increase and they're going to be more mature at a younger age or more educated about things at a younger age. And we can't shelter them and social media makes that even harder. But uh, just sharing the story because, you know, you should check up on that stuff and just, you know, you should be able to go up to your child and say, give me your phone right this second without them saying anything to you whatsoever. And we do have that parenting ability. And uh, I really still feel that we've done to the best of our ability and uh, we continue to grow as well, you know, so throughout those situations. So um, just be cognizant of something like that and check it out because you just never know what's up and what's going on in today's world. So um, do you notice a link between your use of certain technologies and how you feel or the quality of your relationships, especially during COVID-19? So I think this is kind of interesting because one, we're in, in the Midwest, we're in South Dakota, and uh, in our specific uh, part of the Midwest, uh, we haven't had anything really locked down um, other than in the very beginning. And uh, we've had the ability to, to go have dinner, um, to uh, safely go to um, events, to, um, uh, you know, just just be able to go to stores, stores. and things like that, you know. Um, I know that there you can still do that and, and wear masks and things, but some places are still completely shut down. Um, so anyways, I think that, that we're, it's hard for us to be unbiased in this situation, but one thing I could observe globally, I think, or nationally is that places that are completely shut down and you live in an extremely large city where you can't really leave whatsoever and you have no outdoors. I think that social media, I bet could be even more dangerous for those people because they're more susceptible to bullying. That's all they're doing is sitting on social media and you get down the wrong rabbit hole, you might never, you know, get back out or it changes your life forever, right. you know? And so this stuff happens without social media though, too. Um, somebody from work today was telling me about, uh, there was a Mariah Carey special over the weekend, I guess. And she said that um, she um, got invited over to a sleepover and uh, their whole sole purpose of inviting her there was to make fun of her and tear her down. And um, I guess she is part African-American, so they were throwing that word out there. And, uh, you know, that was probably traumatic for her. And I bet still follows her today. And that's probably why she has some of the diva divaness she has in her. Who knows? 
you know, never be hurt like that or be susceptible to those kind of insecurities ever again. Uh, you'd be surprised, you know, how how traumatic that that can be for somebody. So it's not like this this social media stuff is breaking the mold. Mm-mm. It just makes it maybe quicker, maybe makes mm-hmm. it easier, maybe opens uh, your eyes up to things that you wouldn't normally learn about so quickly or at all. You know, uh, it used to be you'd have to wait till the, you know, t- 10 o'clock news to learn anything that was national, you know, or read the paper um, later on. Otherwise, it was just your local stuff. You didn't know anything outside of your bubble. And it's not that, like, cyberbullying is something, anything new. Either we went through that in high school where we'd have people make up anonymous fake emails and send you, like, nasty grams that way. And so that has been around forever. I mean, I... Some of the what I have in my head is formed from receiving all that stuff back as a kid, you know? And so it's not different. And so I still stand by it is how you support your child and how you teach them to overcome all of that stuff on a consistent basis so that they can rise above and become stronger because of those instances that then that's how you're going to help your children on a consistent basis. Because bullying isn't going to go away, whether it's in person or cyber or on social media. So again, it's all about teaching them that strength to overcome that. Do you want to use your phone and or social media less? I would say yes. Should your family have any rules around how and when you're using your devices? Yes, I believe so. What are some ways you might try to disconnect or focus usage on meaningful connection? I like to think that I am fortunate um, now to be doing what I'm doing because I go out and I do visit people in person every day um, when it's safe and practicing whatever measures are necessary. But, um, you know, like, like that unlocks something in me that had been dormant for quite some time. You know, maybe it was because of the retail situation and with dealing with retail, you know, people are coming in and sometimes that's a selfless, you know, situation. There's not a whole lot of gratitude there. You're kind of there to service the customer and not everyone appreciates the retail world. And I just witnessed it enough to have that opinion on it. I did it for a long time, but uh, not every person is like that and not every retail job is like that at times, but I think anyone that's worked in retail for a long period of time would definitely agree that um, it can be a difficult situation sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, in this, you know, going out and building relationships with people, you know, is, is one of the, the, is the biggest step to, to doing any business to business sales. But you know, it becomes a partnership because you care about that person. You care about their business and, uh, you know, you want to you wanna mesh with their thought process, you know, how they want things to go. You know, you learn about them kind of like a friend as a real partner. And so you're helping make decisions that are in their best interest. And it doesn't matter to me whether you're selling them a, a printer or advertising or um, invitations or whatever you're doing. So, um, so I think that that has... Um, that gives me a sense of tradition that I can pass on to our kids that maybe not everyone has the, you know, the opportunity to, you know, if, if you, if you work in a factory, um, and that's basically, you know, what your, you know, what your lifestyle is, 
and you don't necessarily know how that that kind of social um, stuff works. But um, anyways, I don't know. You're familiar with a lot of that too, dealing with the public in a different fashion, and mm-hmm. you know having to create relationships, but then developing where you want to create relationships because you care. You know, you become part of the community. Um, it's not just sales. Right. So, um, so in my eyes, yeah, like I would like to use social media in my phone less, but if I'm going to use social media, uh, I'm going to use it for good. You know, I want to, I don't feel I'm going to change anyone's mind, no matter the context, mm-hmm. by yelling at you or being rude to you on the, on the internet. That's not. Doing so good. in my personal opinion, I don't think that I'm going to change that. And why should I call you names when you feel differently, even though you were the one that lashed out? Right. You know, we constantly have posts that are out there that talk about, um, you know, being the change. Right. And so that's one way that you can be the change on social media and on the internet is by, you know, I started to, <laughs> the last couple of weeks, maybe it helps advertise us too a little, but... When I would see like <laughs> a big post from one of the other news outlets and there's hundreds and thousands of comments, I would just take our um, our pay- Facebook page and then hashtag stay positive. Amends all the arguments. Yeah, I would thread. just post just that. <laughs> you know, and sometimes people that, that know me will like it, you know, or maybe other people will click on it and check it out, you know. Like if one person was having a really bad day, and they were on there just reading all the arguments and hate, uh, and they click on ours and see a post that resonates with them. That'd be pretty flipping magical to me, right? You know, so it's not just trying to advertise. It's like because what we're doing make can make a difference, you know. So you know, we're not out trying to just make money off of what we're doing. Like we say, it's the waterfall. It's the trickle effect. Okay, you can make a difference in this person's life. That person will make a difference in that person's life. The little bit of joy that you can spread every day will make a difference. But now you had asked us about family. So I wanted to touch base more about the family aspect, right? Is our children, yes, they can watch TikTok videos. The only reason they can post a TikTok video is that they actually have my phone. They're not allowed to actually have like an account on their phone. They don't have Snapchat. They don't have their own Facebook. They don't have their own Instagram. Yeah, they can watch YouTube, which we've learned that can also be a bad thing. Found out there's a lot of things on YouTube. But, you know, the documentary said that these people that all actually, you know, were these top dogs in social media said that do not let your kids have it. You know, they said 16 16 would be the youngest that they recommend having it. Most of them don't allow their children to touch it because they said their minds are not prepared for it. Their minds are not mentally equipped to handle all of it that comes with the social media aspect because you can't like filter out in parental. Well, you have to think about how the world, you have to think about how the world has changed because, you know, if we go back hundreds of years, and we'll be a little dramatic, but if you go back hundreds of years, the average life expectancy of people was 30 some years old. Okay. And so people were getting married at like 14 years old and like joining lands and kingdoms and mm-hmm. I mean, stuff like that. Um, however accurate that is. But we do know at some point life expectancy was quite shorter than it is now. Mm-hmm. And as people are getting older, you know, like if you're. If your grandpa's still alive and he is 90 some years old 
and then your dad is 60-some years old, and you're 40-some years old, and your kids are in their teens, you know, like, think of how that lineage, you know, those, how you can learn from each other, and you still have grandpa telling you about how he had to walk up both ways uphill with a log chain to school, and you know, then your dad's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then, <laughs> and then you, you know, he's your kids as grandpa and you're like, oh, grandpa's, you know, you're kind of each, each generation I think has gotten a little bit easier on the kids. And then because their information is flooding at them so quickly, they think they're learning way more than they did in their parents. But the traditions are still there. You right. know, when something's broke, you fix it or throw it. You know, when something's not working right, you stop and figure it out and you have to communicate in person or communicate some way or another. You know, so there's still like these common core values that no matter what's going on, no matter what technology is out there, those are still there. So, but I think because, because information is flying at us so much quicker, you know, it's easier for kids to learn more than maybe they need to or they're not mature mm -hmm. enough ready for it yet right. either i mean i'm 36 years old and for the first time in 10 some years i just cleaned out and organized my garage enough to park my vehicle in there i still can't park well i don't even know if yours <laughs> would fit in there it wouldn't fit our garage is too small because it's 100 years old but you know my grandma my grandma's one that says that we've all gotten too soft that there is no way we would ever survive the way that she did as a child. She's just like, no Now, the way. truth in that matter is that I will say is that, yeah, if you plucked my ass from 2020 <laughs> and cruised me in a DeLorean back to 1842, I could not probably live that way for very long or I would be a big whiny baby about it. Or, but if I grew up in that time frame, we would all have handled it. Yeah. Or so I always want to preface that. <laughs> But I always want to preface that it's not that we couldn't handle it as a society. And we can handle what we're going through now. We can overcome all of these things. We can be the positives. We can mm -hmm. be the change. The point is, yeah, plucking somebody from today's generation and throwing them back 100 years, they'd be whining and complaining about everything. Right. you know. So there are comforts that we've become accustomed to. You know, I mean, our air conditioner breaks down and it's 80 degrees in the house. And we're like in pandemonium. Well, they didn't have air conditioners a hundred some years ago. They cracked the window open, you know? I mean, so there's, you know, modern world problems. Modern. That, I like that phrase. That's a good one. You know, and with kids, it's not like we're not going to let our kids have social media. Our oldest one turns 13 in December. And she goes, can I actually have Snapchat when I'm 13? Because then you wouldn't have to be lying on your age. Because according to the rules, you know, your birthday has to be by a certain thing. You have to be 13. And she's like, then you wouldn't have to lie. Can I actually just have it? She's like, Facebook is not a thing that kids my age do. That's what she said after Smack today, after club. She said, you know, if we use Facebook for school. And that's mainly telling like the adults what's happening at the school. Well, that's how it's been for a while now, from what I understand. People that have graduated and are years younger, they're they're on Instagram or maybe Snapchat, but they're not mm -hmm. really doing Facebook. If they post anything, it's like, here's a trip I went on a, a week ago um, so my dad can check it out. Right. You Other know? than that, they're using Insta or TikTok or still Snapchat as a form of communication. But I will be that father that learns how to use those social media platforms. And I will figure it out eventually. 
and I'll see what you're doing. You've done rather well. He is, he, you know, we downloaded TikTok um, when our first, when our kids started first talking about it because we wanted to understand what it was. And so it wasn't so that they could just have it right away. It was so that we could learn and explore and then start to see like, okay, so Erilyn has her friends on mine. So then I can kind of see like, are these kids using it responsibly? Is my child using this in a safe fashion? Is it like... I feel like a creep sometimes, you know, but that's what it's for. But seeing it that, okay, they are, they're using this in a responsible way. They're stepping up if there's a bullying issue and watching them go, okay, that trust is starting to be formed so that in due time, she will be able to be trusted with some form of social media. So let me ask you this. Has any of you, what the, has any of you been, I put the loop on. Um, it's buffering. Oh yeah, we're watching. So, have any of you been? Your kids are playing in a room with with someone, and then you creep up the stairs, or you creep by the the, the door or whatever, <laughs> and you listen, and you're wondering what are those kids doing in there? What are they talking about? Are they being naughty? I'm sure you probably have. Okay, this is no different. This is all it is, is technology. Okay. So now you pretend like this phone is your kids' bedroom. Did you, is it your bed? Is it your bedroom? Is it your house? Did you pay for it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you creep into your kid's bedroom. Here's their bedroom. And you creep in there and you just listen. You put your ear against the door and you're like, what are they talking about? What are they doing? Okay. Now that doesn't mean as soon as, you know, your kid does something terrible that you should freak out on them and scream and holler and yell and make that a traumatic, horrible experience for them. Right. But talk to them about it and say, hey, tell that person you have to call them back. Tell that person you need to chat them back or BRB or whatever. And then it's time to have a serious discussion because they're tiny human beings and they think that um, they do know things. They think that they can handle things and they're getting to the age where they don't want you to just tell them how everything's going to be. Now, you're still the boss and you have to at some point be stern and, and know when that boundary is, but you can still listen to their feelings, treat them like a human being and talk to them about what is going on and why that's not appropriate. Um, we recently, and I'd love to do an episode on this, but we recently... Um, talked with our girls a little bit about trafficking, human trafficking Mm -hmm. and, and what that really means. And I did go into at least just enough to say, you know, if you can imagine a large male, you know, forcing themselves upon you or forcing you in a vehicle, you know, and, and stealing you and there's nothing you can do, you know, literally close your eyes and picture that for a second, you know, that's something they don't want to mess with. And, uh, you know, you have, you can't shelter your children forever and, you know, if some dude, maybe it's judgy, but if some dude's, you know, walking by him and it seems a little creepy, then you just come and get somebody immediately. It doesn't matter who the hell it is. If you're in the store, find someone with a name tag and just say, hey, that, I don't know if that dude's creepy or not, but um, better safe than sorry. They, so they started coming up with their own self defense um, plan. Like they were visioning and they're like, okay, if we could grab this way, we do this or we do this and we do this. You know, it's, it's not teaching them the fear. It's teaching them, you know, that street smart. It is teaching them like, okay, keeping your eyes and ears open, teaching you how to handle a certain situation, what to look out for, what maybe could do to help you. And so 
we're just trying to raise them to be worldly smart. Yeah, we are open and we are honest with them, but it's really because the day and age that we are living in is so different than when we were kids. And so we're trying to be honest. Well, I'd appreciate that honesty, I think, too, in that, you know, I want them to be able to know that there's an open line of communication um, mm-hmm. at all times. You know, I can tell you what it's like to not think that you have parents you can communicate with openly about almost anything. And you have an idea what that's like, too. You're just your parents are older. So there's some things they can't connect with sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that um, I think your parents do a pretty darn good job of trying to figure out modern things. And I mean, your dad's got a smartphone and he's 74. Or... He just got his first one. <coughs> and, and they're they're figuring out the tiki excuse me the ticky tacky so <laughs> this is a students and teachers discussion we could probably should probably get flopping on this and oh yeah sorry teens use entertainment screen media for an average of nearly seven and a half hours a day not including the time they spend using screens for school or homework common sense media 2019 so that alone i think can be a little bit scary for maybe health reasons if if it's accurate that blue screens and stuff can you know, um, give you eye fatigue and, uh, you know, things like that. Well, you, you should probably limit that, you know, some yourself because that can make you tired and just drain you out. <laughs> Is that yawn? Yeah. Sorry. As teens' time on social media specifically has gone up, so have their depression rates. One study found that between 2009 and 2017, rates of depression among kids 14 to 17 increased by more than 60%. Journal of Abnormal Psychology, 2019. So I think that goes along with um, now, you know, and we'll whip through the, um, the positive effects too, but one of the negatives is that that information comes flying at you so quickly that kids, you know, can... You know, that bullying can jump on too, you know. So you see an overweight person post a picture or a video of them exercising or just sometimes just wearing clothes. And I've even seen it too. And you go to TikTok or Instagram and you read those comments and some people are are pretty ridiculous on there. And uh, it just goes back to the, if you don't have nothing nice to say, keep your damn mouth shut. <laughs> you know, I mean... I'm overweight and I have been for some time and there's plenty of times where I've gotten the outkick my coverage jokes and stuff like that and it probably doesn't bother me a whole lot but you know deep down inside it's like you know just whatever you know just you don't have to say stuff like that like it's silly just let it go you know like maybe I have a huge brain (laughs) 80% of students mistake sponsored content ads for legitimate news, NPR Stanford 2016. Now, I think maybe that comes into play with some of that propaganda we talked about earlier. You know, we could make a meme or we could make um, a flyer, if you will, you know, that says um, bananas are green or orange. And we put $1 million into sponsored ads. I guarantee you, someone, maybe it's one person, but somebody's going to think, what the hell? Bananas are orange now? Huh. Hey, do you hear bananas are orange? Boom. You shared it. Boom. Thousands of people share it. And then there's a picture. You could take a picture of a banana and then you upload pictures of it. You sponsor that. You know, I mean, as ridiculous as an example of that is, is that that's how it happens. I think in South Dakota, someone took a picture on the side of a road of a piece of corn that had grown randomly out of concrete. Mm-hmm. So more than likely... 
you know, a green truck went by or a seed truck or whatever, and it popped out and landed inside and it grew out of the concrete. Super cool picture. But then people are sharing it all over the place and they're making their own memes. You know, some are funny, some are derogatory, some are, you know, I've seen like, oh, we're running out of farmland. Now we're trying to figure out how to grow it in concrete. You know, and like, that's a joke. But what if somebody posted that and paid $10,000 to sponsor a news article? It looked like a news article that said we're running out of out of uh, fertile soil. So we're trying to figure out how to grow corn in concrete. I'm people. glad that example randomly worked out because that that there is the example. And that's what people would believe. I mean, if you had orange bananas, people would be running to a grocery store and be like, hey, can I get some of these orange bananas? Like I saw this like a new thing. Can I get some? But it is. It's like people get so... And some people only read the headlines of the articles and that's where there's a dilemma as well is that because then they're not fully reading the the thing and people that don't live in our area with our open prairies around here in the midwest don't understand the concept you know i went to a 4-h thing one time and they seriously still thought we just used horse and buggy so like how would you guys get out to dc a greyhound bus dude i don't know just like the rest of you so three quarters of facebook users are unaware that it keeps lists of their personal interests mm -hmm. such as their political leanings for advertisers pew research center january 2019 50% of Americans who looked at their ad preferences on Facebook said they were uncomfortable with the company creating these lists about them. Pew Research Center, January 2019. 17% of Americans believe personalized ads are ethical. That seems like a very... Oh, RSA Data Privacy and Security Survey 2019. That seems like a very low thing. But honestly, I do kind of still feel that advertising in general people don't want to know they're being sold to it doesn't matter if you're um i mean even if you're trying to sell your wife on going out with your friends or you're trying to sell your wife no if you're trying to sell your <laughs> wife on going out with your friends or something um you know it's like the same difference because and then your wife like oh, okay have fun and then leaves and you're like what a dipshit like you didn't know that i was trying to it's just like, okay, yep. Well, at least he's going to do the dishes tomorrow and rub my feet or whatever. But um, you should probably be in a relationship where you just have a conversation about it yep. and you and you are fair to each other. But anyways, um, nobody really wants to be sold, I don't think. So when it does come to advertising, some my favorite is just to be a goofball. You know, I like I like to be creative with advertising and, you know, make it where it's catchy and it's memorable and it means something, you know, the emotionally engaging. You know, I like motivational ads. I like impactful advertising, you know, but I'm a kind of, a, I think, a amateur psychologist at heart. I just yes. like that kind of stuff, you know, so... When you're when you're having someone exercise and they're sweating like the Gatorade commercials, those were cool. I thought those were pretty neat. Or when they would have like Michael Jordan or you know somebody like that, and it was like these are how many shots I missed. It wasn't about the shots I made; it was about the ones I missed, and you know almost making it to the championship because that's what made you who you are today. That kind of stuff I always enjoyed. So. So, Mr. Jurens, positives of, 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 of social media. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if we can get to some positives. I know, like, a positive I thought of tonight. You ready for my positive? 
I believe that's what you were implying. Yeah. Well, I just want to make sure you were mentally prepared for this. Okay. So my positive tonight was, you know, we see so many like Amber Alerts on social media. And even tonight, and sometimes, you know, I don't share them all because I think, okay, they're so far away. Would I even recognize these kids? Would anything? But then when all of a sudden you see moms within an hour of here, less than that, looking for their kids, saying they somehow caught a ride with somebody, they got dropped off, trying to find my daughters. Anybody have record of them or find them? You know, somebody goes, oh, you know, back in the day, I'd be so embarrassed if my mom would have done something like this. But it's something that's really important. And it is so neat to see people rallying together to share information, to reach out to friends, being like, hey, and somebody like driving a few blocks in a town to bring these kids home safe because of the alternative of what is happening around us more and more so commonly. And so I think it is amazing that people rallied together tonight and brought kids home to their parents. Like I just, that's a great thing, whether they're runaways or whether they got picked up by somebody else, it's like so happy. And that's where social media has helped with our day and age of that instant sharing of news. Yeah, and that specific context, you know, being able to share a picture and the last known information and all those things, yeah, it can rapidly get that information out there uh, for you to, to help someone, you know, or a benefit, you know, if there's a cancer benefit or something like that, um, and you get it out within your circle and that circle shares it with the other circle, I think we all know how social media works. Um, you can help that person out, you know, GoFundMe's, things like that. So any of the events, I love the events section because I had someone say that they don't have Facebook personally, but they love being able to just log in and go to the events near them to be able to keep up to date on a lot of diverse events happening within their communities. So it's absolutely fantastic to use that section on social media. So one positive of social media, um, especially for me is the ability to connect with people over distance happily and positively to follow and engage in their life. So um, my buddy Danny from the Black Hills, we were besties um, when I went to school there and lived there for a year and a half. And, um, you know, I, I like to see what he's up to and he's still doing music stuff. And um, so there's a few friends from that day and age, um, some few, a few friends from back in the St. Martin Spartan days I can just kind of follow into. You know, we don't engage a whole lot, but like each other's posts or I might comment something or tell them happy birthday. And I don't know, just anytime that comes across, it makes me, you know, um, makes me remember some of those times and things like that. And I think that's really cool. Um, in the context of social isolation, like maybe what we're going through right now or some places that are worse off than we are, it can give you a sense of community. But I say this warning and I wrote this afterwards, lest we forget how to socialize in person. Right. Okay, it can be great if we had to be on a lockdown, whatever, you know, happens that way, and we could still uh, do video chats and communicate with each other's, uh, with each other's, then that um, that can be help, you know, helpful, especially with video technology. You know, being able to do these Facebook Lives, for people that don't know us, it gives us, I don't know, just puts a face to to the voices and uh, the people that are posting things every day. And, uh, you know, some people just are, uh, Terry always says he's a visual learner. 
So now you can learn visually from us in some instances. So I do like the video chat feature. I have a cousin down in Texas and my aunt now is in the nursing home here in Watertown. So it's not like he can just easily talk to her on the phone. And so it's nice being able to hand my phone over the six foot barrier so that he could video chat and be able to see her. Um, it's absolutely amazing that that technology has done for that. Absolutely love it. Um, education and sharing of information, uh, distance learning, how-to videos. You know, I think YouTube is social media. Mm -hmm. um, TikTok is social media. And uh, the overall message is it is, you know, it is what you use it for. So there's this dude I follow on TikTok that has Healy skates, those shoes with the little heels in them, heel skates in them. And he just does funny videos with like silly 80s, 90s songs. And he just, he'll be running in some weird outfit and just uses little heel skates. And I just laugh. To me, like that's a welcome distraction. Right. You know, but it's how you use it. So if you're in the middle of helping a customer in a retail store and you're helping them look at a dress and your phone goes off and you grab it and watch a TikTok video, that person, I guarantee you, will think that's pretty rude. Mm-hmm. So that might be dramatic, but I guarantee I've witnessed it. Um, your younger Jen. How-to videos. Uh, Catherine's business partner uh, has repaired her own appliances before on the tubes. Um, Catherine has used YouTube. I if you didn't watch that body language. I installed my mom's dishwasher. Yeah, and I sold appliances and I've never in installed <laughs> one. So, but I... Um, have fixed ours here with a drain hose, so I did do that. <laughs> I watched it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, back in the day, uh, I can remember, you know, going to the library or friends of mine going to the library and getting mechanical specs to their vehicles mm -hmm. and looking through it on diagrams and wiring diagrams and whatever. You'd have to buy the book, and it was like 70 to 72 Chevy pickup. You know, you couldn't even just buy... You know, you had to buy what you were looking for. It wouldn't just be a generic one. So now on the internet, you can just say, hey, blah, blah, find me this information. I've changed my own headlights because of that. Yeah. So easy. Um, this was one we mentioned just a little bit earlier, but better customer service. Or does it allow you to treat someone a way you normally wouldn't in person or have less patience? So you can have better customer service. You know, I'd like to think that if we were in the day and age where people were looking for positive information... I would probably, as soon as I could, if I wasn't somewhere I couldn't respond, I would try to help you immediately. You know, I would I would send you information. I would help Google it for you, call these people, things like that. You know, if I owned a business, you that's difficult because you got to have time for yourself and it is okay to punch out. That's where people might grow um, less, you know, less of a uh, patience. You know, you might be able to go to a um, Facebook message a very large corporation in the retail context, and they might answer you fairly quickly. But if you message a business that has one employee or just them, mm -hmm. you know, they might not message you right away because they're not a big giant corporation that has someone paid to just do that for them. Mm -hmm. And it's not personal either. You know, if, if Big Box Store Incorporated messages you back, it's probably not Mr. Owner himself. It's a person that represents the company and so on. Mm -hmm. You know, so just, you know, that's one other dig from retail is just have a little patience with some of these business owners and remember, you know, I appreciate it more now, but I remember 
people would come in and it was always older guys and they would bring me a check for their uh, service or their delivery or whatever work they had done. I'm like, you know, they'd leave. I go, what the hell didn't you just mail it or, you know, call in with your card or something. But, you know, one, it was probably a way for them to get out of the house and cruise around town, drop off the check. And maybe it was just to say, I want to see who I just am giving this money to, you know, and helping, you know, provide for my family is what that person's doing really. So they deserve to see, oh yeah, I'm just a guy that has two couple of kids and you're helping pay, you know, support my family. So um, better customer service, yes. In some contexts, I think social media has helped us get better customer service, get better answers, hold people accountable. You can screenshot stuff. A lot of benefits to that technology. Yep. But have patience and try to treat people that you would in person. If you're afraid of getting punched in the face because you said something so rude, pretend like you got an internet punch. Be nice, right? If you can be anything in this world, be kind. Connect with like-minded people in groups. Um, I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down wink. Uh, and to know you're not alone. You know, so whether you're into Harry Potter stuff, whether you're into Star Trek, you're into positively Midwest, or just positive quotes or affirmations or God or whatever, you can, you can join 5 billion groups that are all about positivity and eventually your news feed is going to be filled up with almost just that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I have done um, other than some of the common friends. But as I mentioned before, I'm still seeing the only same 50 people. I like you guys, but I'd like to see what Bill's doing over here that I haven't talked to in 10 years or seen in 10 years. I want to meet this Bill. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I keep like snorting. What they know about us. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is what we already uh, said. Imagine if they use that to help people, right. you know, to send them good things. So, yep. so anyways, um, last but not least, social media, in a nutshell, is what you, what you make it, what you mm-hmm. consume it. And uh, it can be an addiction, I think, and you have to be careful of that. So just like uh, if you're going to go home and you're going to drink a 12-pack to 18-pack to a case of beer every night, that's going to hurt your body. That's going to hurt your family. That's going to hurt you mentally and physically. If you go home and you do heroin every day, that's going to hurt your body. That's going to hurt your family. That's going to hurt your money. Mm-hmm. All the same things. If you go straight home and you sit down on your phone and you stare at it consistently and you consume eight hours of social media every day, that's going to hurt you. That's going to cost you money. That's going to hurt your family, and it will mentally and physically hurt you. You'll overeat, more than likely. You'll buy things that you don't need. You'll have arguments that are bad for your mental health. You'll read things that are bad. You'll see things that make you feel bad about life. You'll get jealous. You'll have envy. You know, lots of different things are on there. But if you use it sparingly, you have a couple beverages. Cool. Um, You go on there to be social. You say, hey, check out this cool family thing we did today. Check out these cool pictures. Check out my kid being cool. Reconnect with friends and Re- family. Reconnect with friends, family, um, you know, and uh, and I guess that's how I feel on social media is I'm just not going to walk up to a group. If there was 200 people sitting around arguing about something, I'm not just going to walk in there and start flapping my gums. So on social media, when there's hundreds of comments on a page, I'm not going to go out there and think I'm going to change all the opposing views 
by by flapping my gums on the internet. But I do believe that by having a group dedicated to spreading positivity, by being, um, in a sense, part of our own little movement, by backing it up with interviews and podcast episodes that engage people's thoughts, that hopefully inspire people, that, um, you know, something you can connect with and see that by us willing to talk about it or through it or care enough to throw something out there that that can help change one person's life. That's pretty cool to me, you know, but. I have a question. What? But if you walked into that crowd of 200 people that were doing that, would you throw up a hashtag stay positive and tell them all that like you are in the threads? Yeah, probably. (laughs) I could see myself walking in there with my positively Midwest smiley faced hashtag stay positive mask on if it was necessary for the context. And then having a positively Midwest t-shirt on that says stay positive and something on the back or a hooded sweatshirt or a beanie coming soon, I hope. I would certainly do all that. And yes, I would be a beacon of positivity anywhere. I think we've already discussed how um, often I have broken up fights instead of causing them. Yep. So I believe in theory, through our actions, we are trying to be that already. That lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Be the change. What do you keep looking at there? (laughs) Erilyn is holding our dog and like rocking her in front of the window. Some people's kids. Sorry. It spreads joy and positivity, man. It does. Well, I don't think anybody's got any questions. We've had a solid um, four to five people on here. So thank you guys for listening. I don't really have much else, but um, I will say the more, you know, if you appreciate what we're doing and you want to see it continue to grow and, uh, you know, anytime you like, comment, and share on our stuff, that that changes your algorithm. That changes the people that that uh, follow you or like you or engage your posts. That gets them possibly engaging the things that we do. So if you do appreciate what we do and... and um, you like the positively Midwest movement, then like, comment, and share our stuff. Um, I don't know if it's corny or not, but I'm sincere about it. It's not, I'm not trying to work angles here all the time, but if you share something and I consistently am always telling you thanks for sharing uh, because I mean that, um, I never thought that I'd be in a position either in my life where um, the things that I'm posting, people are saying thank you for. And that they they appreciated it. Or they, my favorite one is I needed this today. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's right away in the morning. I'll post it and minutes later, thanks, I needed this today. And that almost makes me cry because I've been in a position where I've read something. And, you know, the fact that I know some of you or you know people that I know that we might be in the same town or we might be in the same state or we might be just in the Midwest or in this whole world together. That just means the world to me. When you share something that that we've posted, you comment something, or you say I needed this, or you share it and put your own comments down. Um, yeah, just I just appreciate it when you guys share stuff and you like it. So with the podcast stuff, um, if you dig any of the episodes, you know, share those. You can share them on your social media. You can share it now if you're on Spotify. And I think Apple Podcasts, too, most of them, you can share it to your uh, Snapchat feed. You can snare it, 
snare. You can share it to your Instagram stories uh, and people can click and listen to it themselves. Um, and we'd be more than happy to show you how to do that um, if you do want to help share it. Um, and I had a little note in there too. I appreciate you guys listening to our dorky ad in the beginning of our episodes. Um, basically, we're getting a penny per listen, but helps with this kit and helps us spread the words. Um, there's other ideas that we're working on and everything I want to do. I want to have some sort of cause behind it. Um, and, uh, maybe we can partner with people and things like that, but we kind of have to get going, you know, you know, how that kind of stuff works, but any type of monetary, um, gain we get from this, I'd like to help, um, other people we've talked about, um, maybe having, uh, cards was one of my most recent ideas and it just has a, maybe a QR code so people could scan and listen to it or join the group and on the back would have a handwritten positive note from us and uh, I think it'd be neat to just walk up to people randomly and just say here I want to give you one of these you know um, so but I'm always such a double-edged sword with my own thinking I hate making everything sound like it's a business thing you know and I'm we're trying to make money I just want you know we were given a million dollars right now. I couldn't imagine how many, how broke we'd be within a month. I'd giving, I'd be giving it all away. You know, it'd be, it'd be helping this person get here and go there and fundraise here. And that's part of why too, we've started to branch out into helping highlight different organizations too for an inside look, because um, that's kind of neat. You know, not only do they come with a touching story, um, the Lane Logan Memorial uh, just recently and uh um, it was shared by um, an MMA referee, um, and, and I can't remember the name right off the top of my head right now, so I apologize for that because this is random. But he had like 30-some thousand followers, and they shared one of our episodes, and it's for the benefit of the Lane Logan Memorial Organization. So that's really what's most important. But, um, you know, let's, anytime you share that stuff, it, it helps us and them. Wanting to make a difference. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we really want to do in the end. So anyway, soapbox over. <laughs> stepping off i just we got a passion for oh this God. we know what it's like to feel to feel like crap and we don't want to do that anymore yeah. we don't want other people to help you step off that that ledge of negativity In so dark days excuse me oh man should we close it out yeah what happened there's something weird on the screen man oh i picked the wrong thing to look at okay thank you you're welcome thanks everybody Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for listening to the Positively Midwest podcast. Our hope is to inspire, engage each other's thoughts, and leave you with some advice that could inspire. Be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Positively Midwest Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, share, and screenshot our podcast with all of your cool friends. Every little bit helps. We are on most all major platforms, and you can stream it on our website at PositivelyMidwest.com. Thank you, and as always, please always stay positive.